If you can tell them she's crazy, they'll want to listen and see what you're talking about, okay? So I want to get the message out because God called me a long time ago, and he called me for relationships and for marriage. And so this morning, I'm going back to my original stuff, okay? Is that okay? And somebody in this building has already listened to one of these, and you probably heard the first one, which is what I'm going to preach on, so you may be bored. Hallelujah. Oh, I tell you, I love the presence of God. I love the Spirit of God. I love the Holy Ghost and fire that burns out all the dross. I just love it all. And that's why I love this church. I mean, tell you, I want to come back. I'm telling you, because you are hungry and thirsty, but you're full of the Holy Ghost, and the, and the presence of the Lord is here, and God is doing a mighty work in all of your lives. And your pastor and his wife are just the very best. Amen. Okay, armor bearer, can you take this stuff out of my way? Oh, yeah. I do have a CD. I'm the Geritol crowd. And I will be singing for the altar service, so if you want me, you can take, take me home with you. If you don't buy anything, I want you to go online and listen to what God... And then share it with others. Because I, will, I want to leave a legacy. God has done some things in my life. And I've, I feel like God has healed a lot of marriages. In fact, I know he has. Because I have 3,500 people on my Facebook. And I get testimonies from way back when. And they said, you know what, Joy? You taught me in youth camp. And now I'm a pastor's wife. And I'm teaching the young people what you taught me. Amen. So I believe that God's word needs to go on and on and the anointed word. Amen. Okay. Keys. Do you like keys? I'll bet you like them if you're locked out, out of your house. You, you need your keys, right? <laughs> or if you've locked yourself out of your car. I mean, which I've done both so many times. It's unreal. So I have a great appreciation for keys that unlocks doors. And did you know that God's word is full of keys? Amen. Hallelujah. Keys that will unlock the door. I'll give you your keys back, honey. I thank him for the keys and I can, he can tell me how to walk and how to talk and how to act and, and, and what to do. And I'm so thrilled that he did. So we're going to talk about keys to marital joy. Okay, bring, bring up, uh, I have a little, uh, my, my little armor bearer, she, she added some things to my ministry, which is she has ideas to make it visual, amen? And I think you remember and this, February was love month, right? So that we actually fixed this for, but still it's called keys to happiness or keys to your heart, okay? Yes. All right. Now, it would be great this morning if we could wave a magic wand and we could just make everybody happy. Yes. But we can't wave a magic wand. So we have to look into God's word, Amen. Because it's a manual on human behavior and we need to find some principles that can, will guarantee for, to bring joy in our relationships. How many of you want joy in your relationships? 
not just marriage. When I'm talking today, these are keys to every relationship that you have. Amen? So we need to know what God's Word says about getting along with other people. So, the first key that we're going to talk about is the key of maturity. Oh, my. Actually, the key of maturity means unselfishness. Okay? Hallelujah. Because babies and children are selfish, we refer to them as immature. Have you ever seen a child fall on the floor, start <laughs> crying and kicking their feet? They, just want, they want their way. They want it right now. And they don't care who it hurts. Oh, that reminds me of some people I know. Amen. We want our way. We want it right now. And we don't care who it hurts. That is selfishness. And so we need to grow up. Amen. So he is saying, I want my way. I want it right now. And I don't care who it hurts. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm glad that God taught us how to grow up. Amen. And if you've had people say to you, why don't you grow up? That's because we need to mature in Jesus. It's wonderful to be saved by the blood of Jesus. But after you're saved, there is some maturity that needs to happen. And it comes through the word of God. So the key of maturity. So when two people get married, how many of you notice this? There's a period of adjustment. The more active the people, the more uh, potential areas of conflict. I taught this, and I'm going to give you an illustration that happened in Arkansas. Okay? I mean, I can't even remember the town, but I know it was way up in the mountains. They didn't have any no, ho hotels in, in the place. So we had to stay with a little couple that had been married for 58 years in a little country home. So... We just, that first night, they fixed a wonderful country meal. We all sat down at it, and this little short man who had been married for 58 years was sitting at the head of the table. And when we started to eat, he says, Joy, I know you're here to talk about marriage, but I want you to know that me and my wife have been married for 58 years, and we've never had an argument. Well, don't ever tell me how good you are. Because I will immediately become the FBI. <laughs> and I will watch your every move. And I will see if you are as good as you say. So let me tell you, that little old man, he, he had my attention. At, because I study people. I just love to know what people are made of and what they're like. So I watched him. And I'm telling you, I thought, I wonder... Why they don't ever have an argument? Well, I saw him out at the barn. I looked out the window, and, and there he was walking out there, and he was... I mean, he was just so mad. He was just walking and saying all kinds of things. Not to his wife. <laughs> but anyway, he was out there just really mad. So when we left that place, after about a week, I said, Honey, I think we've met a couple that's never had an argument. Finally. She just won't argue with him. <laughs> it takes two to argue, right? So no wonder they hadn't had an argument. 
He was a mean old man, but he, I mean, they didn't argue because the wife never did. And so I bragged about this when I came back to them years later. I said, I always use this little older couple as an example in my teaching. And they said, oh, what do you say? And I said, well, and I tell them and they say, oh, you don't understand the situation at all. That woman has an iron will and nothing moves her. She doesn't have to say anything. It has to go the way that she wants it. So we, don't, we think we know things we don't know. But the key scripture on unselfishness is found in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And I want to tell you something. This will work in every relationship. And if we ever get this one down, we will be able to have friends. We'll be able to have a good marriage. We'll be able to have everything because this is the key. Amen. This is the key that will unlock the door and cause you to mature. Amen. And it says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And I'm just going to brag a little bit. Because God's word will set us free. God's word will give us friends. It will teach us. It will give us the key. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to brag. I've got friends all over the world. I have favor all over the world. And you know why? It's because Jesus taught me in his word how to look on other people's things and not my own things. So when I go, I'm concerned about this pastor. I mean, I want to look on their things. I don't want them to think they've got to meet all my needs. I want to look on their things. When we go there, 50% of my love and my uh, whatever is to go to the pastor. Amen. And the other 50% to you. Because let me tell you, they, they carry a heavy load. And God has given me the key to think on their things and not my own things. Because that's what makes people close to you is when you are concerned about them. That you learn to listen to them. That you hear their heart. Amen. So we're going to mature, right? In God's economy, you never get anything by trying to get. The way you get it is to give it away. Amen. So if you want love, don't look for it. Give it. If you want friends, don't look for friends. Be friendly. If you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. If you want understanding, you want somebody to understand you, then go out there and start understanding other people. Amen? So give understanding. And if you want someone to be thoughtful of you, then you give thoughtfulness. And I'm telling you, your pastor and his wife have thoughtfulness. I mean, they've got it. That it just emanates out of them. And I want to tell you, every need of our, that we've had since we've been here has been met. They care and they take care of us. And I'm telling you, God rewards that kind of maturity, amen, of thinking on other people's things instead of your own. So that's found in Luke 6, 38. Give, 
and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Hallelujah. And that is the scripture that Bud and I were called, that God called us into the ministry of, to give our 40 acres to the Lord and to start Teen Roundup was it found in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. And I found out it's not just giving money. It's giving of yourself. It's giving your, your forgiveness. Giving everything. And I'm telling you, it's wonderful what God's Word teaches us. But let me tell you something else. The Holy Ghost and fire helps to burn it into my spirit and gives me the power to do it. Because I can't do it just knowing it. Amen. We have to have the Spirit. Hallelujah. Woo. Don't know where that came from. So, how can we overcome this selfishness? You ask the question, I'm going to answer it, okay? Number one, you ask God to take, help you or, or to take away the habit of being selfish. Did you know that selfishness is a habit? I want my way. I want it right now. And I don't care who it hurts. It's a habit. And it's something that you, if you break a habit, don't you have to take a, put a habit in there that, that takes, takes its place? Amen? So, ask God to take away the habit of being selfish. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Hallelujah. I think we quoted that this morning, and I, I received that into my spirit because I need a little bit of healing in, a, in an area of my body. And so I know I just took that in. Hallelujah. He hears us, and He will heal us. And, I, and I've heard that a lot of healing is going on around here. So I'm just going to take, I'm partake of that, okay? Is that all right? I'm going to believe God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So anything according to His will. He heareth us, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And we know it's God's will for us to be unselfish. Amen? It's God's will. I don't have to say, Lord, do you want me to think on other people's things right now? Yes, he does. Amen. It's God's will for us to be unselfish. And I'll tell you what, selfishness is the basis of all sin. It's the basis of all sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, cleanses us from all sin. And I trust in the blood. I don't even trust in my own goodness. I have no goodness of my own. But I trust in the blood. And I say, Jesus, your blood covers my sin. And you're going to give me the power to overcome in this attitude of, of being selfish. Amen. Number two. Number one, you ask God to help you take away the habit. And number two, you repair the damage done by your selfishness. You know what that means? That means you got to say you're sorry. You need to apologize. <laughs> two of, that's two of the hardest words in the English language. I'm sorry. And men seem to think it is a sign of weakness. But I am here to tell you this morning that it is not a sign of weakness when you say, I'm so sorry. It shows a sign of strength. 
it makes you be a mature person when you can admit when you have done wrong. And there's, that doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. And it makes other people admire you. Amen. It doesn't make them think less of you. You think it makes you, them think less. No, it doesn't. So apologize. And right away, wrongs that you... Uh, f- uh, anyway, apologize. And right away... Uh, right, well, I, I'm getting my tongue tang-tungled. <laughs> and that's what I laugh at. If you get your tang tangled, I've been at church and preachers have gotten up and got their tang tangled. And I'd laugh out loud and they'd say, oh, Joy, what are you laughing about? Because I, I love it when you get your tang tangled. Well, I got mine tangled, so I better laugh at myself, right? So apologize and right any wrongs you caused. Before you realize it, the key of maturity will open many doors to the joy of the Lord in your relationships. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk about the second key, and I don't think you're going to like this. Well, uh, the women think, you know, they think they're not going to like it, but you guys are not going to like it either. Because I'm telling you, I'm preaching, I'm going to preach to you today, okay? Hallelujah. Submission is a key to happiness in relationships. I am so glad that God gave me the gift that I can be submissive because he had my highest good in mind when he told me to submit to my husband. I mean, he had my highest good in mind, and I found it's the greatest gift in the world because when you submit in attitude, amen, it just makes them love you more. And so that's a gift to me, right? I found out early in my marriage that submission was a wonderful gift from God. But let me tell you something, guys. Ephesians 5.21 says, listen carefully, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. I love that. The scripture comes before the one that tells wives to submit. So men, you have a lot of catching up to do. Oh, you didn't say amen, guys. <laughs> I know. You're the leader. That, that may be a harder lesson for you to learn, that you submit. Amen? But God's word says that we're to submit one to another. And that's not just to husbands and wives. We're su- supposed to submit to one another in church. That's what keeps away the church problems. Amen? It's when you submit about what color the carpet's going to be or things that don't really matter. But you is submit in your attitude and know that you are there to serve Jesus. And you have that submissive attitude. It shows all over you. Amen? So, if, so Ephesians 5.22 does say... After it says, submit yourselves one to another, it does say, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. No organization can function properly with two heads. You're going to have to have somebody that's the boss. Amen? Remember, ladies, what I told you submission was? Remember what I said what submission was? Uh, The men are not going to like this either. Submission is ducking low enough so God can hit your husband. I hear women laughing. I don't hear men laughing. (laughs) Submission is ducking low enough so God can hit your husband. Now, I will tell you, the way you duck 
is to be obedient to the word. When you're obedient to the word and it tells you to submit to your husband as unto the Lord, you are doing yourself the biggest favor you've ever done in your life. Amen? When you submit. And guys, you're doing yourself a favor when you submit one to another, as the word tells us to do. Hallelujah. I love that. I love submission. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful gift. I'm glad that I can submit that I don't always have to have my way. I don't have to always think that I want my way and I want it right now and I don't care who it hurts. I want to say I want to submit to the pleasures of other people who want to eat at a certain place or they want to do a certain thing or whatever. I mean, well, that's good preaching. <laughs> Genesis 3.16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Whew. Boy, that's hard. But you know what? When you submit, it's easy for that husband to love you back. Amen? Somewhere between the ages of 35 and 45, a woman usually reaches a period in her life when the, she increasingly desires to be a leaner. And if she is aggressive in the early years of marriage and dominates her husband, she teaches him to lean on her. I've seen some men that can't be the leader because the woman won't lean. She won't submit. And some of them just say it's not worth the effort. I'll just let her rule the roost. Amen. And like I told the women yesterday, uh, I'm a bossy woman. God made me a leader. I'm not going to apologize for God making me a leader. <laughs> the devil doesn't like what I'm saying. He really doesn't. He's trying to confuse me up here. But he's a liar. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But when we're, I, I, we, we really do need to lean on somebody when we get older. And if we've taught our husbands to lean on us in the younger years, we have no one to lean on when we reach those later years. That's why I'm glad the Lord taught me submission. Because as I grew older, I could really lean on my husband. My husband really took good care of me. And I think it was because God had taught me how to submit. Oh, yes, I know now what I was going to say. Um, I said I'm a bossy woman, and one day when I was washing dishes, my son, who was a teenager at that time, he came up behind me and said, Mom, said, everybody thinks you're the boss in the family, but said, they just don't know our daddy, do they? <laughs> because he would just peaceful, and he'd let you have your way as long as it didn't uh, interfere with the family or, or, or whatever. He just lets you have your way, but don't back him into a corner. Because I'm telling you, he came out. He, you could tell the leader in him would come out. You didn't back him into the corner. He tried to please you as much as he could, but then he, that was the end of it. Hallelujah. Remember that you reap far more than you sow. If you sow submission... In obedience to God, you will reap blessing and abundance. It is easy to submit to a man who loves you. 
so easy. My, I had two husbands, and they both loved me. And so it was not hard for me to submit to them. Amen? And we did submit one to another so that our lives were wonderful. And we, could, I, I, and we had godly homes. Amen? And we were church people. I, the second time, I married a preacher. I married a bishop of the, over the state of Kansas. And I, we traveled all over Kansas. And I, I, I loved to submit to him. But I'll tell you what, he loved me in return. And we did great and mighty things for Jesus. Because we went according to God's word. And we learned the key of submission. Amen? Okay. Uh, oh, dear me. I'm going to give my testimony right now. My husband's dream was to be a rancher. And do you think I like to give pink eye shots to cows? But I gave in to his dream. I submitted to that dream. And so we purchased 40 acres out in the country where we eventually turned it into Team Roundup. So we turn, we, uh, would you stop and pray for me right now? Satan is really battling me in my mind right now. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here and God's word works. Holy Spirit, yes, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, that's where we need each other. Amen. I need you. You need me. We need to understand that. That why submission is so good. But my husband wanted to be a rancher. And so we bought this 40-acre farm. And we bought a, some cows and, and put them down at his father's farm for him to take care of it. And then when he died, we had to bring them, of course, to the 40 acres. And they started dying. They started getting out in the road. And we were scared we were going to get sued and all that stuff. But I followed my husband's dream. And you know what? Then when God gave us a dream together, amen, we did teen roundup all those years. That comes from the key of submission. Submission to your husband and what he wanted, amen? And let me tell you something. If you're, well, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to go sideways. Okay. And the third key, we're going to get to the third key. That submission, it's a hard one, right? That's the one the devil doesn't like. He doesn't like us to learn that, to grow up and be mature and learn how to submit. Amen? So number three, I guess you guessed it, is the key of love. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13 says there's nothing as great as love. And when my first, second husband and I married, when we would have our devotion, we decided to go through 1 Corinthians 13 and memorize the first few verses. So we memorized those first few verses. Then guess what? We'd give each other a test. We'd go through that. Love is kind. Love is whatever. Love is this and love is that. And we'd say, and we'd give each other a test to see if we were walking in that kind of love. And I'm telling you, 
You can have all the, the prophecies in the world. You can have all the healings and everything else. But there's nothing that's going to surpass the love. Because it's the love of God that sent His Son to die for our sins. And it's the love that He puts in our hearts. And the love, we have to love. And we have to love our enemies. And you know what? The Lord's given me plenty of platforms for that. I get a lot of favor, but I get a lot of enemies too. I used to a long time ago when I first started out and the devil was fighting me. I get a lot of enemies. But that's where the Lord gave me the platform that I could love those that were against me. In fact, I had a pastor that he just didn't like what we were doing because we were doing Teen Roundup. And they, you know, we were going out and ministering. And anyway, what I said was, you know what? I just love my pastor. Sometimes I'd like to just spank him. But I still love him. And I did love him. And do you know what? Years later, when he pastored somewhere else, and I saw him at, at Southwestern Assembly of God College at one of their things, he came up to me and handed me a $50 check. I was a widow. And then later now, his wife is a widow, and she will send me $100. I'm telling you, guys, the only way you can get rid of an enemy is to make a friend out of them. And you know how you do it? You love them anyway, no matter what they do. I would go and sit in church and sit in his classes when I knew he wishes I wasn't even there. And, but I'd, I'd stand there and say, I'm go- not going to leave my church. I'm going to love my pastor, and I'm going to go there and be faithful because I go out, and I've got to be able to have a place where I can come that, that, that I'm accountable. Yes. Amen? This is good preaching, too. Okay. So obviously the world has no clear-cut definition of love. Love can be passion. It can be affection, romantic feelings, friendship, fondness, or infatuation. But almost always love, as the world uses it, expects something in return. But the Bible reveals another kind of love, which the world does not understand. And it's called agape love. It is unconditional and irrevocable. Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Hallelujah. I'm about to get happy here. I'm going to tell you, it's what it is. It's love. And the Lord has taught me that, yes, through trials and tests and platforms to see if I really did love and testing to see if I really did love but I could not do it by myself I have to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my soul he has to give me the power the Holy Ghost will also give me power to overcome hallelujah God chose to love you and I first before we even knew who he was Agape love gives without measuring the cost or seeking personal advantage. Agape love is not natural. It's supernatural. Poured out on us in beautiful abundance. Seeking nothing but our highest good. 
John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him. Should not perish but have everlasting life. Agape love does not depend on our actions. While God deeply desires our response. Our reaction to him has no bearing on whether he will love us. That kind of love is past understanding. Amen. Hallelujah. The principles of agape love will answer every need and solve every problem in your life. Did you know that? It will. My first husband exemplified that agape love. You know, I was raised to where I had seen some things as a, as a teenager. I had seen some things in my own mother and father's life, my mother's life especially. And so I had some insecurities because of that. So when I got married, you carry those insecurities into your marriage. And so I became, and this is hard for me to admit, but I'm going to tell you, I was a very jealous wife. I was so insecure I always thought he was looking at somebody else. And we would have two-hour arguments. And, and I, I mean, I was ashamed of myself. I didn't know what to do because the feelings were just so, I was so insecure. And so one day when my husband was playing a game with a bunch of people, I went over to him and I said, Bud, if you don't go with me right now, you'll never see me again. Now, I didn't mean that. But my husband got up from the table and he walked out of there. We got in the car and started driving down the road. And by that time, I was totally out of control. I was screaming and I was pulling my hair. I was absolutely out of control. And he stopped that car. And he grabbed me. And he gave me a restraining hug. Do you know what a restraining hug is? It keeps you from hurting yourself. And he gave me a restraining hug. And he said, Joy, I don't care if it takes the rest of my life. I will prove to you that I love you. Something happened to me in that moment. Something hit my heart. And God began a healing in my life. I wouldn't even go to people's houses in our church because the man was kind of flirty. I mean, I hated that sin because I had seen it as a child. And I hated it. And I wouldn't have anything to do with any man that ever acted like he wanted to flirt with me or anything. But God knew my heart. He knew why I felt like I did. And he wanted to heal me. And he gave me a husband that had the agape love. That loved me when I was tacky. You're never more tacky when you're having a fit. Amen. But he loved me even though I was like that. That's how God loves us. But he had God's love inside of him. And he loved me. And that agape love began to heal my heart. And I began to, to love the people. Even the guys who were flirty. I just say, God, I know that you want to help them. I'm sorry for them. And I, and I began to forgive. And I would go to their house. And, you know, and, and one lady came to the store where Bud worked. She says, I've asked Joy several times to come to our house after church. And she won't come. And he, he couldn't tell her why I wouldn't come. He wouldn't tell her. But I'm telling you, then God put me in the marriage saving business. But I think sometimes he takes what we go through to help heal other people. 
And I want you to know that God's love is is here this morning. And he's pouring it into your heart. He says, I don't care if you've responded to me. I don't care how you've acted. I love you today. And I want to bring you into my bosom. I want you to be, I want you to have everything that you need because God loves you with an agape love that regardless of how you've acted, he still loves you. I'm going to sing a song. It's called He's the Lily in My Valley. And I want us to stand. And I want us to just love on Jesus. And I also want us to just receive that agape love. Even though you're a Christian. And even though you're filled with the Spirit. Sometimes we need to just soak in the love of God. And let Him love on us. And He's going to love you because He is the lily in our valley.